0: A biblical evaluation of Celebrate Recovery on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I have with me Ben Marshall. He and his wife have been married for 24 years, and they have eight children, ranging from 21 all the way down to 11 months. He spent the last 25 years in the state of Washington doing pastoral work, 10 years as a youth pastor, and 15 years as a counseling pastor. He received his undergraduate in psychology from St. Martin's University and his MA in biblical counseling from the Master's University and his D. Ed Men in biblical counseling from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He was certified with ACBC in 2008 and became a fellow with ACBC in 2020. His master's thesis was turned into a help booklet with Shepherd's Press, and it's entitled Help My Teen Struggles with Same-Sex Attraction. And he's privileged to write a chapter in the book, Men Helping Men, dealing with the issue of teens and homosexuality. During his last 15 years as a counseling pastor, he was able to counsel, train counselors, establish certified training centers, and see two residential homes started, the Damascus House for Men and the Damascus House for Women. In June of 2022, he left his role as the counseling pastor to become executive director of Freedom That Last, a ministry which equips churches to welcome, evangelize, and biblically counsel the hurting and addicted to grow Christ-likeness and wisdom in living life. And so, Ben, so grateful that you're here with us, grateful for your service of ACBC and and being a fellow there and and now your new ministry at Freedom at Last so welcome to the podcast thank you thank you great to be here now we're gonna we're gonna discuss Celebrate Recovery and and I hear you know the influence of Celebrate Recovery in so many different arenas so many different areas and and I want us to discuss this and you're now working with a ministry that that has curriculum relative to. Uh, those who are struggling with uh, addiction, you're building a a program that is intended to implement be implemented in churches as well. And so, I thought it'd be good for us to sit down and discuss what's currently there, and and even talk a little bit about what you guys do as well at Freedom That Lasts. But but I want to start. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is is sort of modeled after and, and has similar ideas from uh, different. Twelve-step programs, and so for some of our listeners, they may not be as aware of Celebrate Recovery or even what a twelve-step program is. So, so what's a twelve-step program, and and what are the goals of this type of approach?
1: Yeah, so a twelve-step program that originated back in about the the nineteen forties, and, uh, and and it is touted as a spiritual program, but you you work through. 12 steps i think that's where you you get the the 12 step idea there um and and just one progresses to the other and the goal there then is to maintain sobriety and there are i, I would say you don't have to dig too hard to see some biblical connections there i, I would say I, I don't i don't necessarily think they're springing up and out of scripture but th- 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 there there are issues of forgiveness and restitution and some things like that so but without just marching through all 12 uh, i think there's it's the 12 steps and the the goal is sobriety and what I found is most people have turned that into some form of a, a spiritual experience. So, you know, when I'm talking to somebody, they their 12-step program is their worship service. And so they're, they're, when I was out in Washington and we, we had something called Hope Groups and they, they met every Wednesday night. And one of them was Hope for Addiction for Men. Um, And, you know, we had a number of guys who on Wednesday nights, Hope for Addiction for Men, that was their worship service. And then Thursday night, they would be at Celebrate Recovery. And then Friday night, they'd be at AA. I mean, it was just every night of the week. And they called it Work the Program. And that was how they were maintaining their sobriety.
0: Yeah, and 12-step program is, is really built on what's called the disease model of addiction and the idea that, you know, there, there's some genetic predisposition toward a, a given thing. Uh, and the idea essentially is that you will always be an addict, and that's why sobriety is the goal because they're saying that they want a person to live in sobriety or always in recovery, which means your primary identity really is as an addict of, of, of whatever variety, whether that's... Uh, you know, alcoholism or some sort of substance, and and that now you're you're, you're walking in sobriety is is a, a a constant of recovery, a constant mentality of recovery. It's it's very different, you know, than than the way we d- would describe a person who uh, can become new. But but uh, celebrate recovery, sort of modeled their idea off of twelve steps, and you know, attempting in some way to, to sprinkle scripture. and And I know some good churches who who utilize this model. It's been popularized by. Saddleback Church it came out of Saddleback Church, and so I want you to talk a little bit about Celebrate Recovery, uh, what it is, and what are the goals of their approach.
1: Yeah, so there, there's the stated goals of their approach, and then there's the the practice. And I think that the practice can be just as broad as probably the number of churches that offer a Celebrate Recovery program. Which, by the way, there are 123,000 programs or chapters around the the world. So this isn't some small little you know, group meeting in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's pretty prolific, but their, their goals are going to be stated. Goals are going to be to become like Christ as I've read through all of their material and then watched different groups in, in action. Their stated goal is st- or their, their, their practice goal is still going to be sobriety. That's the, the, the number one goal. And, and if I, if I back up just a little bit, they take the 12 steps and they distill it down into eight principles so and if you read through their curriculum, they're, they're still going to mention the 12 steps and then they're going to recategorize in anywhere from one to two of those steps into one principle. So one or two might distill down into one then three and four, it, it, it breaks down that, that way. But I think one of my biggest issues, and, and I'm, I'm, I might be jumping the gun here just a little bit, but um, Rick Warren, as he was marching through, he's made the statement, as I was reading through the Beatitudes, I found all 12 steps in the order that 12 steps gave them. And I, I've looked at the Beatitudes. One, I can't find the 12 steps there. And definitely then I can't find them in that order. So he's tried to make this connection that the 12 steps really are found in scripture, almost pulling out of scripture. And I, my argument is, I think he's more reading into scripture what's what's there. Uh, and, and then as I say that, there are a number of faces and relationships that I have of people who have said, you know, celebrate recovery, 12 steps, they really have helped me. Uh, and I'm not discounting the the help there. But as biblical counselors, I think we need to evaluate programs, books, everything that or those types of things that are claiming to be biblical, and then asking ourselves, are they really biblical? And if they're not, then we need to we need to do some some critique,
0: yeah, we need to reassess. and and the, so I want to get there, right? Where we're talking about the concerns. As a matter of fact, that'll be my next question. But, As we think about Celebrate Recovery or or anyone who's wanting to to go into helping those who have been addicted to some sort of substance, there's a genuine desire to help, and I don't want to discount that. There's a a hope that somebody can overcome this particular dominating issue in a person's life. You know, none of this was created out of malice toward particular individuals or anything like that, and and even churches. I think that many of the churches who who utilize Celebrate Recovery— Really have a goal to to be a ministry to the community, and, and in their mind, this was the best thing that they could find, and so they just they they run to it. It has some biblical language. Maybe they're a little bit less discerning as far as some of the goals and how to handle these issues of addiction. And, and so some people might at this point be saying, OK, you guys, you know, you're appreciating that somebody's trying to address issues of addiction uh, and they're seeing some problems that, that we would identify as tr- problems as well. So what's the big deal? What's the big deal about Celebrate Recovery? Why are we offering some sort of biblical evaluation of that? So, so I'll pitch that to you, Ben. What is concerning about the, the model itself and the whole idea of Celebrate Recovery?
1: First off, the, the one idea that you already mentioned, which is it really is, it has a disease component to it. M- meaning, you know, when, when Paul says in First Corinthians six eleven, such were some of you, that doesn't seem to hold true. Now, if you listen to the mantra at the beginning of each session, it, it, if I was there, I would say, hi, my name is Ben. I'm a new creature in Christ and I struggle with you know? And so for Ben Marshall, I would say, I struggle with the fear of man, or I struggle with, you know, those, and uh, even just listening to it, there's not really a brokenness over that. If that were true, it's just a, Hey, this is what I struggle with. And I, and I know they're trying to kind of normalize this idea of struggling with sin, but there, there still is this disease model that's woven into it. I, I, and I don't think that you can break away from the disease model any any time you are connected to a 12-step program. So that's there. But I think uh, Rick Warren talks about six different premises or ideas that are unique to Celebrate Recovery. So he says CR, that's how Celebrate Recovery people refer to Celebrate Recovery. So CR is based on the Bible. CR is forward-looking. CR emphasizes personal responsibility. CR emphasizes spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ. CR emphasizes the need for community in order to grow spiritually and emotionally. And then CR addresses all types of hurts, hangups, and habits. So those are kind of his his six things. And as I'm reading through, I'm thinking to myself, is is that really true? Um, Is CR really based on the Bible? Meaning, did you read through scripture and find those things in there? Or did you or somebody else read or become familiar with 12 steps, and then you're trying to identify some things there. So that would be more of an integrated approach toward that. The second premise CR is forward looking. Are they really forward looking, meaning we don't dwell on our past. Yet when I say my name is Ben Marshall, I'm a new creature in Christ, and I struggle with, that seems to point back to something and not, uh, we, we, we don't hang out in who I am in Christ. You know, we might be able to say I'm on my sanctification path uh, and here's where I struggle, you know, um, and and maybe that's what their intention is there. But as I listen to groups, there's this this, uh, I don't know, wholesale shift of hi, my name is Ben and I'm an addict to hi, my name is Ben. I'm a new creature and I struggle with it. It's the same thing. It's not it's not different. And then, you know, Celebrate Recovery emphasizes personal responsibility. That's great, but that doesn't make it uniquely biblical. There are other forms of therapy that really emphasize personal responsibility. You know, just in in, in the, the cliche, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you kind of deal. That doesn't make it uniquely biblical. So I do think the one component that does seem to hold very true is that CR emphasizes a spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ. So where 12-step programs would say higher power, and then you literally can choose whatever higher power, I do think Celebrate Recovery, they they do say Jesus Christ is our higher power. But without going much further, you know, what is that higher power going to do for me is kind of the... The idea there, and then CR emphasizes the need for community in order to grow spiritually and emotionally. I do think that's good, but that isn't. Once again, it's not necessarily biblical. There are lots of different programs that, that would say we need community. That's kind of a trendy term right now, anyway. And then Celebrate Recovery addresses all types of hurts, hangups, and habits. And I think that's what is appealing to it is you you can have a Celebrate Recovery ministry and then have literally dozens and dozens and dozens of sub subgroups that meet so you know there's there's my short critique of of that i'll let you kind of push back on me there a little bit or just unpack a little bit of what i said probably have more information in my head than i need to have right now for what we're doing
0: no, I understand. So what, maybe I wouldn't give pushback on, on the things that you said at this point. I, I would want to unpack a couple of things. I know the, the last part that you mentioned, hurts, hangups, habits, struggles, that, that using that language, I think it's a little bit concerning because we're not identifying, you know, a- addiction in and of itself as a matter of the heart. We're not identifying it as something that is that we're personally responsible, re- responsible for relative to, to sin and the passions and desires. That are so at work within. And it seems to be a bit of uh, renaming uh, something in order to address it in a more benign type way or a pragmatic type way, as opposed to dealing with it based on repentance. And so, am I seeing that right? And then maybe uh, they, they have this principle of crosstalk uh, and, and having no crosstalk as it relates to. To their groups, sometimes to me that becomes a little bit problematic because it, it it doesn't allow even the leader to some degree to to press in and to admonish uh, where admonishment is necessary, as opposed to it becomes a session where people are sharing sort of how they feel and what they've been through that week and everybody sort of sympathizing and empathizing with where they are, as opposed to you know how do we pursue change in some of this? It's not not yeah we want to recognize and and. Be sympathetic to where people are, but there there comes a point at which I don't want you to keep living the life that you've been living. and so I want how do we help you to get out of that? So maybe maybe unpacking those two things, the the habits, hurts and hang-ups, and then the the crosstalk issue
1: yeah, absolutely. and and I would agree one hundred percent, there is a relabeling of of terms, and it it could be pragmatic. It could be just that's the the vocabulary of the day. but I, I think, Anybody who's been wandering in the the biblical counseling world for any um, amount of time understands the value of staying extremely biblical with terminology. Uh, just kind of in an anecdotal a- example here: if I'm talking to a couple and they've been sleeping together, that's not nearly as jarring as using fornication or adultery or you know something along those lines. And, and I, I think that that jarring effect is is needed not just for dramatic purposes but one that's that's how scripture speaks about it that's the seriousness with which we need to be taking sin and so yeah when you're if they were to stick with hurts hangups, and habits and then list the sins underneath there i think there would be a little bit more understanding but that's usually not the way it goes especially when, when you're talking alcoholism that's that drug disease model again where if you were to look up alcoholism you find victim mentality if you find all kinds of stuff that doesn't that does not appear in scripture and definitely removes responsibility from somebody. So I I think if, if I were, you know, if I had somebody who was kind of a, a a CR fan sitting next to me, they, they would say, well, we, we absolutely encourage personal responsibility, but it's, it's the personal responsibility post drinking. It's not personal responsibility leading up to drinking. That's where they would fit in the same category with any other 12-step program. It wasn't me. It was my biology, or it was my parents, or it was this, or it was that. So I do think the, the treating, treating different sin issues by labeling them hurts, habits, and hangups doesn't, doesn't help push people in the right direction. And then that feeds right into the crosstalk issue. But that that just makes sense when you're talking the 12-step model. Whether you go to a 12-step AA meeting, NASA, or a CR meeting, the job isn't to condemn, it's to accept. And we're we're all in this this struggle together. So I'm not going to condemn you. You don't condemn me. And that's really how they would see any kind of, hey, let's move in the direction of Christ-likeness. You need to stop doing that. And here's what you need to start doing. Right. So here's in in our biblical counseling language, put off this and put on this. And here's all the scripture for mind renewal. That just doesn't fit the paradigm of of what's going on. I I know we're we're specifically talking about CR, but there are some other programs that have existed out there. Uh, And and I think I won't get into names of, of those right now, but. I have found that with a lot of these kinds of programs, they will take a relatively brand new Christian who can identify with somebody else because I was a drug addict, I was a porn addict, I was a gambler, I was an alcoholic, And they'll say you're you're equipped to lead this group because you can identify with that. So now you've got a very young person, spiritually speaking, leading. And I have just seen crash and burn after crash and burn on as opposed to a discipleship model where you've got somebody who is further down the road in arms with somebody who needs to move in the, the direction of price likeness. And so, you know, as, as we start to talk about freedom that lasts a little bit more, that word discipleship is probably something that's going to pop up over and over. Uh, and that would make it very distinguishable from Celebrate Recovery.
0: Oh, that, That's really helpful and clarifying. And now you do have a lot of people, and you even mentioned this earlier, who will say, well, I've just been really helped by CR. Why are they? Why are they evaluating it like this? As people say, they've been they've been helped by CR. What's the harm? And you have a lot of even maybe pastors asking this question. What's the harm in using a model like CR?
1: Yeah. Well, one, um, when when there are, and this is this is probably going to sound horrible, but that's okay. Um, when there are better programs from a biblical perspective out there. Than to say, what's the harm? It's like saying that, eh, you know, it's okay to use something that, that's subpar when, when there's something that's better. So that there's, there's one aspect there. But I also think if you just remove the relational context, and, and even for, for me, the, the people that I know, if I remove that and I just start to dig into the curriculum, then that's where the flags start to pop up. And I'm not saying that CR is, you know, pure cultish or satanic. But I do know the method Satan uses is he gets really close to sounding biblical, and then he, he diverts. And when you can have people follow that trail, then they're willing to buy into anything. And, and maybe even they're, they're not going to run off the theological deep end, so to speak, but they're just going to stay put. And, and I can see Satan being okay with people just staying put. Almost going in a circle as opposed to, no, no, no. If we're talking sanctification, progressive sanctification, we're moving. We're moving in the direction of of Christ-likeness. And so, you know, it might not be tomorrow I look more like Christ where I can identify it. But definitely within a month, two months, three months, somebody should be looking, sounding, speaking a lot more like Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's helpful. So, so maybe the last question. I mean, you you have pastors out there who they they understand the twelve step model. They're they're struggling, you know, to to even send people to places like that because they know it, it lacks, you know, spiritual fervor. And is this really going to be genuine help to someone? And then they hear something about CR and they they read some of the the content and they're like, okay, this sounds a little bit closer to where we are. And maybe just not knowing that there are other types of ministries out there they might say, okay, well, maybe we'll try CR because we don't know of anything else. I want you to talk for a second about other alternatives. And the reason I want you to bring this up is because, you know, I could say biblical counseling maybe has lagged behind in this area to some degree, you know, in terms of our history. But we are starting to catch up in in, um, organized ministries that are trying to address, you know, this issue of addiction and so on. So what are some of the alternatives to to celebrate recovery that we would say are a little bit more faithful to scripture?
1: Yeah. So th- this is going to sound a little self-serving here, but obviously freedom that lasts. I'm the executive director. Um, I, I would say very biblical viable option. There, Mark Shaw and his his ministry at, at the the Addiction Connection, you can go there. And you, his material that's 18 months long, very faithful to scripture, and that can be used in individual or on a group level. I know of groups out in the Seattle area that are definitely using that in a group setting. So those are two of the, the, the big ones that, that I can think of that that would be very a, a very good alternative to CR and really a, a number of other 12 step programs. I don't know if it would be beneficial to mention some of those other 12 step programs just in case people are listening. I can do that if you want. Two in particular, I think are and, and, and really not just those two groups, but the addiction connection is a, a big organization. If, if pastors are out there and they're wondering how biblical is this approach towards addiction? Man, run it through the the addiction connection, and they'll they'll give you some good feedback.
0: yeah, that's really helpful. And just to have a place to go because I, I think sometimes well-meaning uh, pastors and, and and leaders in churches uh, sort of land default in some areas because of what's uh, marketed better or more popular. and so this this will give them some things to think about and we'll link these to the show notes and and Ben, I want to make sure that I have you back here really soon to to talk about the Ministry of Freedom at Last even a little bit more. So thank you for your help today with assessing Celebrate Recovery, evaluating it, looking at it through a biblical lens, and, and then even giving us a, a taste of what some alternatives could look like. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. We always like to keep you updated on places that we are in the country. And this coming week, we are at G3 National Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be exhibiting there, giving away several items, some of our booklets, which so many of you have loved and been interested in. And if you're there at the G3 conference, we would love to see you, love to give you some booklets so that you can see those and be helped by those particular resources. We're also giving away our reprinted version of Psychobabble by Richard Gans, which is Uh, a classic within the biblical counseling world. And so we would love for you to stop by, say hello, tell us what the Lord is doing in, uh, in your ministry, in your church, how we could help you serve you in the biblical counseling world. We would love to be able to be a resource if we can for you. So stop by and say hello if you're at the G3 National Conference. I also want to mention we are gearing up. We are two weeks away from our annual conference, which will be held in Santa Clarita, California. Living and Active, we're talking about the sufficiency of Scripture at this particular conference. We're looking so forward to many of you being there with us October 2 through 4 of this year. I want to mention there's still time for you if you want to sign up for our annual conference, particularly in a virtual way. You can be right where you are, anywhere in the world, and you can participate in our annual conference. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. We have some wonderful plenary speakers, some wonderful breakouts that will be presented. And I cannot wait for the information that, that we're going to learn together. And you don't want to miss that. And So go to our website, uh, find events at biblicalcounseling.com and register for our annual conference, October two through four of this year, living and active.